Premier Christian Newscast. Hello, you're listening to Premier Christian Newscast, and I'm Tim Wyatt. Last year, more Christians were killed in Nigeria than the rest of the world combined, according to data from the charity Open Doors. And attacks against believers have only increased in 2022, culminating in a horrific atrocity in June when at least 40 worshippers were killed during a Pentecost service. The Islamist insurgents Boko Haram have been wreaking havoc in the Muslim-majority north of Nigeria for well over a decade now, but recent attacks have taken place outside its heartlands and other groups are also believed to be responsible. Yet even as the shootings, the bombings and the kidnappings increase, Nigeria's government, the international community and the global church seem strangely unconcerned and mostly inactive. Why is the Nigerian church under such persecution? And what factors are behind the recent rise in attacks? What can be done to stop it? And how can Christians elsewhere in the world speak up for their brothers and sisters risking their lives just to go to church? This week, we're joined by two experts, Ayo Adedoyin and Gataza Gondwe, to tackle the urgent question of persecution in Nigeria. Well, welcome to both our guests. Thanks so much for, for joining us here on the podcast. Um, could we start by getting you guys to introduce yourself and, and just say, say a little bit about who you are? Um, Ayo, why don't we go with you first? Thank you, Tim. Great. Uh, thanks for having me on the program. Uh, my name is Ayo Adedonyi. I'm the uh, CEO of um, a social justice charity called um, International Organization for Peace Building and Social Justice. It has a focus uh, on the issues around insecurity, social injustice, absence of peace in Nigeria. And we are seeking to mobilize the massive Nigerian diaspora um, in the UK, particularly to have a cohesive voice advocating against and acting um, against some of those issues. Brilliant. Um, and Kataza, could you introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Kataza Gondwe, and I am. Um the co-head of advocacy at CSW, and I'm also team leader for Africa and Middle East. And um, for those who aren't aware, CSW is a Christian human rights organization that specializes in freedom of religion or belief. And as um, part of my remit within the Africa Middle East team is Nigeria. Brilliant. Well, I'm really uh, thrilled to have you both on the program to try and um... Uh, understand a bit more what's going on uh, in in Nigeria. Um, could I start by asking um, why do you think attacks on on Christians have been rising in recent months and years? Is there a, a specific cause behind the kind of increase in persecution? There have been several reasons, I'd say. There is a historical um, in some of the areas of Nigeria, particularly in the in the north. Um, there have been a historical. Uh, would I say persecution or historical marginalization of Christian um, communities? And this has outworked itself, for example, in difficulties in getting um, access to certain uh, courses at university level. Uh, these are blocked from people uh, or access to education generally, access to certain employment. Um, 
being able to contest for a certain level of, uh, of electoral positions and uh, also a kind of spatial segregation to a great extent, which is kind of a part of a historical uh, situation um, that came under colonialism. So uh, Christians would live outside of the city. So with cities growing, Christians are now finding themselves in the center of it. And uh, the repression has continued, like, you know, to, has continued in that vein. However, more recently, there have been uh, groups have emerged and they've been emerging periodically, even in the historical context, where um, every so often there would be some kind of uprising or anger um, at the Christian community. There would be a pogrom and then it would calm down. This has been like a cycle throughout history. However, this has created um, an environment, an enabling environment where groups that are inimical, to, I mean, that are opposed to um, freedom of religion or belief and quite violently opposed, uh, ideologically opposed, have been able to emerge. So what the most recent manifestations of these have been Boko Haram in the, in the Northeast. And uh, these, we've also seen the emergence of a militia that is predominantly of a Fulani origin. Uh, their origin, the orig origins of that problem may in the history, in the you know, in history have been based on competition for resources, but they're increasingly taking on a religious um, aspect. And there are links now proven between Boko Haram and these uh, Fulani militias. This in turn has enabled Boko Haram to spread further because the Fulani um, tribe is a nomadic one and knows all the pathways throughout Nigeria. So we're now seeing attacks happening, the kind of attacks we, we used to see only in the north of the country, also happening in the south. And together with that, there's a huge market of abduction for ransom with money uh, coming to these groups in in. in ridiculous amounts, which is also enabling purchase of weapons and just uh, destabilizing the country in that way. That would be a very broad sweep, um, I would say. Thank you. Um, it's, so I think it's important to try and, and get, be clear about this, because I think there's a lot of kind of hearsay and misinformation. It, it, is, is the, are the attacks exclusively by people that we would describe as kind of Islamist terrorists, like Boko Haram, or is it are there also violent clashes, as you say, result between more kind of complex um, issues around sharing of land and resources? Um, on the sharing of land and resources, I would say, as I said, this was in the distant history. And unfortunately, because people have, have decided that that is the dominant narrative, it's all about competition for resources, they are not seeing how this violence has evolved into something far more deadly and far more dangerous, and that has that kind of terroristic aspect to it. Um, yes, uh, there, there were, was competition in the, in, in the dim and distant past, and similar competition also happened in the northwest of the country between uh, tribes that are predominantly Muslim, the Hausa on the one hand, who are the farming communities, and uh, the Fulani again. But the violence that have, has come out of that is of, on a completely different level to the kind of clashes that used to happen in the past where people were just armed with sticks or at most, you know, these hunting guns, hun homemade hunting guns that you have to refill to fire, they're called Dane guns. 
And that was the maximum weaponry that they had. But since 2010, when a huge attack took place on uh, three villages in Plateau State and 500 people were killed overnight, up to 500, I think there may be even more. Um, these attacks have been well coordinated. They have been massive attacks. The attackers have had uh, access to sophisticated weaponry, in some instances, even rocket launchers. These attackers are now capable of bringing down a fighter jet. They have been able to attack uh, a prison where Boko Haram um, terrorists have been held close to the, in a suburb of the, of uh, the capital city and release them. I mean, this is on a completely different level. And, and, and then on top of that, the attacks that people would say were competition and between the, the groups, you know, the different groups, you know, um, most recently we heard of a helicopter actually assisting the attackers. So there's something very sinister and much, much um, bigger happening. And unfortunately, there's, there's, a, there's a tendency to just concentrate on trying to define the problem as opposed to dealing with it and, and stopping the killing. Ayo, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, what, what's the kind of response within Nigeria to the, to the, the situation that Qatar has been, been laying out? Is this something that is kind of widely recognised, particularly in areas maybe far from the violence, or is it something that is kind of was ratcheting up without much attention being paid to it? Well, certainly it's been ratcheting up with not sufficient attention being paid to it. Uh, and part of the reason why that is happening is because um, there's a whole bunch of different things happening in so many different parts and people only know about what's going on where, they're at, where they are at and are not seeing the whole and the full picture. Um, and so you won't be surprised to find that um, until fairly recently when things started getting even more heated in answer to your previous question about is it escalating? It certainly is. And, and only in relation to that are people beginning to fully take cognizance of the fact that um, th this is a very serious issue. But even then, uh, it doesn't mean that they necessarily know what to do about it or um, are able to figure out how, how, how to uh, counter this or, or address it. The awareness of, of it is increasing. Uh, but the most important thing here is that there certainly is a failure of leadership. The insecurity in Nigeria uh, for whatever part of the mix, the cocktail of causation factors are, uh, is a responsibility of the government. Their biggest responsibility is the responsibility to protect the citizenry. Uh, and that certainly is not happening. Uh, and um, the, the people uh, on the ground, whilst they are having an increase in awareness, are, are not necessarily fully aware of what to do about it how do how do they address this situation i mean you'll you'll both be aware more than me but there was you know as 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 only as um i think it was last month in june there was a terrible attack on a church i think it was in ondo state which is in the southwest whereas you know 40 50 worshippers were reportedly killed in a single attack you know quite far from 
the 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 kind of historic regions in in the north we've talked about where Boko Haram has been active for a long time do you think that the kind of spreading of the violence is going to uh, bring about a kind of renewed attention or an attempt to address it well on on that case on that issue we hope so in terms of international pressure however the immediate um, response internationally that really did quite uh, distress everybody uh, came from the Irish uh, premier. Um, he said he immediately condoled the church, but then instantly pivoted to say, however, the Fulani are the, are the worst, um, the most vulnerable people to climate change, you know, defending on the climate change issue instead of focusing and seeing that there is a, this is, it should be a wake up call to everybody. Let's get past this discussion about um, root causes and, you know, all this climate change business. Climate change does not come to a church at a significant um, Christian festival and open fire and kill men, women, and children. We're dealing with something on a different level. Immediately prior to this attack, the head of the Lutheran church in, in the Methodist church had been abducted. And he was abducted again by assailants of Fulani origin. When I say Fulani origin, I'm not condemning the entire people group because there are many peaceable Fulani communities up and down the country who live side by side with others from other tribes and cause no problem. We are uh, referring to a specific armed group. And um, during his abduction, he was told that um, they have infiltrated the forests of southern Nigeria. He was told that they, were a, uh, they have a lot of weapons and more weapons are coming. And the money that was coming from his abduction would be used for more weaponry. And that they were awaiting a signal. And then they were going to start attacking in the cities. This was something that um, the late uh, head of the Central Bank of Nigeria had warned about several years, about, about two years ago, and had faced complete harassment by um, the government for doing so. So we're, we're seeing an outworking of exactly what he had warned, that he had been informed about. And uh, the fact that this, this attack happened really needs to wake up people to the urgency of, of doing something to rescue Nigeria while we still can. Premier Christian Newscast. Premier Christian Newscast. Can I ask how the church in Nigeria has been reacting to this? You know, have they has there been a, a rise in in people kind of fleeing to safer areas or or even trying to increase security themselves if the government won't look after them? Have we seen Christians trying to improve their own be their own protection? Well, I was in the middle belt of Nigeria for um, the first time earlier this year, and I often say to people when I get back that this was my first time of coming face to face with the persecuted church. We always hear about the persecuted church, pray for the persecuted church, but this was the first time I was actually getting to meet them. Uh, and so the first thing to say in terms of how the um, wider church is reacting is I was actually struck by the uh, number of church leaders and church members still there in the persecution zone who were 
responding um, and the number of them that had an orphan or several orphans that they had taken in. And whenever they bring out these adopted children, you always find a slash across the mouth or a gash across the head or the neck and things like that. And I was struck by the response of the church where even though we are still in the danger, um, they were rising up and doing something about it. But let's draw, take the net a bit wider. Yes, there has been massive displacements uh, and people have moved from the further uh, rural parts uh, and have moved into some of the more urban parts and have put pressure on the services there and certainly have put pressure on the families and on the churches in those other places. Having said all of that, um, there is so much more for the church to do, both uh, locally um, across Nigeria and also the church beyond Nigeria internationally. The church needs to come together, be speaking with one voice, responding with one voice and standing up against this evil in whatever format it comes um, um, in any part of the nation. And, and I don't think that that is happening uh, sufficiently well enough um, and there is a need for the recognized leaders, particularly of the large churches and the large denominations and the large congregations, to really understand the existential nature of the threat um, to Christianity in Nigeria. I mean, we think it's so large and yes, it's uh, almost half of the population, uh, but I don't think we fully grasp how much of a challenge it is. Now, I did mention the need for the international church and the international community to also play a part because sometimes you need those who are outside to either do the convening in terms of driving forward towards unity or in terms of bringing support and help uh, to help those who are on the ground. But it's a very massive challenge uh, on the ground. Little bits are being done. A lot more needs to be done. Can I just say something on the issue of protection? Um, it's what has been marked, remarked in almost every area is that when a, a, an area is under attack, um, we have heard, particularly from Plateau State and from Kaduna South, that um, prior to attacks sometimes, um, everything that a community could use to defend themselves is seized by the authorities. And then the attacks come and they can no longer defend themselves. There seems to be um, a resistance to the communities taking care of themselves. You know, they have, they have little vigilante groups that, that, that try and, 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 and defend themselves, but they face um, pressure. And usually they're the, they're, they are the ones who are arrested while the perpetrators just continue to go free. I mean, we, we hardly hear of any of these perpetrators being arrested. And when they are, it's as if they're arrested for a season and then quietly released. So that's the worrying aspect of all of this. Uh, and that is actually in contrast to what is being said in the Northwest, where it is two Muslim, largely Muslim communities. Although behind all of that, Christian communities are also facing serious attacks. There, their governors are saying, defend yourselves, arm yourselves and defend yourselves. But in these other areas, any means of self-defense is usually just being taken away. 
And Katarza, can I ask you, why do you think the the wider international church has been so slow to wake up to this kind of crisis? I mean, you, you must spend a lot of your time researching and, and trying to sh- share the news of what's happening in Nigeria. Do you find a receptive audience in, in, in the church worldwide or, or are people simply not interested? I find a receptive audience to a great degree, um, far more receptive than it has been in the past. I think the problem is that um, they are confused by the message that comes over the media, the non-Christian media. I think the Christian media understands what's going on and is trying to let people know what's going on. But then you have the official media, you know, sort of the BBC and others that will give a different narrative, which is the narrative of the British government. And the Brit- I'm sorry to have to raise this, but the British government is driving the narrative of, um, of uh, climate change, multiple, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody is arguing that the root causes of this, particularly the Fulani issue, are multiple and varied. However, right now they are outworking themselves in a very particularly religious manner. And because of the time we've taken to argue about, you know, the root causes, et cetera, et cetera, it's allowed this thing to metastasize into something that is now a danger to the entire country because now everybody's getting abducted. Now everybody is getting attacked. And now the entire country is, is, is um, shaking in terms of security. So yeah, I think that is the problem. If we could get past the official um, obsession with trying to you know, say, this is the narrative and actually deal with the issues and protect the people, the sooner we can do that, the, the, you know, the better for the people of Nigeria. I'm interested in both your thoughts on this one. What, what- what changes would you like to see? I mean, is it just as simple as, you know, get the police and the army to, to actually start offering proper security for churches? You know, if you had the ear of the Nigerian government and they actually had an interest in, in addressing this, what kind of response and policy options should, should we pursue? So just to um, talk about what the response should be on the ground um, in Nigeria, for starters. Um, yes, the government may very well have policy documents or policy statements but it's not translating into any meaningful improvement for the security of the lives of the people on the ground so whether it's a national livestock transformation plan or even the uk nigeria defense partnership um which i guess is meant to bring forth some form of civilian policing um joint task force or whatever else it is, um, we don't see a sincerity and a genuineness that is going to root of addressing it and reducing the security, uh, uh, reducing the insecurity for people. On the contrary, like we say, we even see things that would suggest complicity here. Um, And so what is it that we need the government to do to first of all just be sincere and genuine and taking seriously its responsibility to protect. But, but then the wide, the international community has got a very uh, important role to play. Uh, my organization, PSJ UK, has um, only this last week released a report um, which tags Nigeria as being on the brink and makes recommendations to address the security situation. 
the biggest uh, recommendation is, is really that the uh, international community should be pulling together an international security commission looking at these issues in Nigeria and indeed, if you want to, extend it right across the Sahel because this um, extremism and terrorist um, thing that is happening in Nigeria is ravaging the entire region. And an international security commission that takes a very impartial uh, look at this uh, with a view to um, getting to the root causes of uh, and addressing the insecurity that people are facing, the kidnapping, the killings, the ransoms. Uh, I mean, the Nigerian government is either unwilling or unable to address this security issue. And either one of those two requires external help. We now need sincerity from the international community to ad recognize that there is a problem here that they need to be doing something about, but not just even for the benefit of the Nigerian people, because one would say this is a real terrible thing going on in Nigeria. It's a big, massive Nigerian problem. Truth of the matter is, it's a problem that is much wider than Nigeria. It affects the region and has the capability, the potential to impact us right here on the streets of the UK. There are geopolitical implications to what is going on in Nigeria that we don't want to find ourselves in one of those situations yet again where we're saying never again. And we don't want to find ourselves in one of those situations where we really should have done this, that or the other uh, ages ago, uh, but, but we've taken a very short-sighted um, approach. And, and so, yes, we need government in Nigeria to take responsibility, but we also need the international community to rally around and ask the real questions that will produce a difference. And just lastly then, Kataza, I wanted your view on, on what the future holds for Nigerian Christians. Do, do you have any hope that things, the situation may improve in, in, the, in the future, or, or do you think the church in Nigeria is going to have to be living with the kind of under the threat of violence for, for many months and years to come? Well, it's been living under the threat of violence since I started working at CSW, which is, what, 20-something years ago. And uh, I don't want to give away my age, but uh, it has become progressively worse as people have failed to listen, you know, about the threat. And But the church is still there. And I think, uh, as, as, as um, we've seen in history, the church doesn't disappear under such repression, it actually is probably when the best of the church comes out, unfortunately. So uh, I have hope for the church, but uh, what I worry for is the future governance of the country, because what's going on now is, is actually capable of, of uh, you know, tearing this country apart and causing uh, some kind of conflagration that will, as, as Ayo said, have regional and international um, you know, ramifications. So what's needed is a swift recalibration of the security um, arrangements, um, you know, so, so that all of the security structures work together in a comprehensive manner to address this and then just releasing them and mandating them to be able and equipping them to be able to do so. And at the same time as with the international pressure backing up and making sure that this is done. But in terms of the church, I have great faith 
you know, on that on that score. Brilliant. All right. Well, I'm afraid we've run out of time. Uh, the end, the, our time has run out, but um, I, I'm really th- grateful to both you, Io and, and Kataza for explaining a bit more about this really serious issue and, and I hope raising awareness uh, in the UK church as well. Um, if you'd like to, to find out more about and how you can maybe uh, can pray and, and act, uh, do do head to CSW's website or, or, or get in touch with PSJ, uh, who I'm sure would be interested in, in working with anyone who has got a heart on this issue. Uh, but thanks to you, both of our guests, and thanks to you for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. That's all we've got time for on this week's newscast, but don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in whatever app you use to make sure every episode is automatically available for you when it's released. If you've enjoyed it, we'd really appreciate it if you could review Premier Christian Newscast on your app and tell your friends about us. We're a new podcast and so we'd love to get the word out as much as possible. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Premier Christian Newscast. 